welcome to the Gritty Filmmakers Podcast, where we take a look at the film industry from the perspective of indie professionals. I'm your host, Alicia Cole Heinrich, and in the studio with me today is my dear business partner, Justin Lewis. Hello. Hello, hello. Well, hey, we are continuing the conversation um, from last week, where we're just talking about lessons learned from a first-time feature filmmaker, and we're specifically talking about your first feature film, Collider. <laughs> So we're just kind of diving into production, um, talking about lessons learned in production. And we'll talk about post-production, and we'll dive a little more into some of that. Um, so production. Um, talk to me about how many days did, did we shoot this film, and what was production like? Yeah, we shot, I want to say it was 18 days. We had an 18-day for principal photography. And we wrapped most of the film on that day. We were missing some very key parts that I knew I was going to have to shoot a little bit later. And we knew this before. I mean, we had ended principal photography. We knew we were going to have to come back and shoot some things. Why was that? Well, there are certain things that I just knew wasn't going to work in the edit room. And we didn't have time to figure it out on set, or we just didn't have the resources. Like, for instance, there's this shot of her going um, time traveling. She's going underwater in this tub, and we could never get the shot right. And I said, you know what? Let's just figure out how to shoot this at another time. Um, Because I was the editor... I, I had a good idea of what would work and what wouldn't work, and I knew just there were certain things that wouldn't work. Um, and then, once you get into the edit, um, I think we were moving so fast and we had so much stuff that we had to do that we kind of lost certain scenes. Um, and what I mean by lost, not like we forgot to shoot them, but like we didn't accomplish what the scene, Needed what the scene was supposed to be. Yeah. So we had to go back and, and, and essentially try to fix some of these scenes. Um, I also realized that um, this, some of the story elements weren't really coming across, so we had to go back and add some scenes. Now, why was that? Is that because of the script? Or is that because, you know, what, what would you say that was? Um, a little bit of both. I mean, some of it, a lot of it was coming from the script. Some of it was execution. I mean, there were some moments, and there is still some moments in the film that art direction and props are very, very important to the characters, yes, to the world, to the story. and what the stuff they're using. And because we were really pushing to get into production, I didn't have enough time to really sit down with my art department and, and go through exactly what was needed. So we were trying to figure out some things on set and it just didn't work out. So um, some of the, so because of that, things didn't translate to the edit. So talk about some of those things. Like I remember, mm-hmm. if I remember right, one of the props was she has her time travel device. Mm-hmm. Now you had wanted that to go a different way. Yeah, and, and, and that, and honestly, the time travel device is, we figured that out in the edit. We, we figured out how to make it work, sure. um, working with a visual effects uh, person. But uh, things such as like, it's more like character stuff. Like there's a character, uh, Barry, who's um, in this house and he's supposed to be kind of off the grid, but this house is big and not off the grid. So you have to deal with that. Um, inside of his house, he was supposed to have maps and stuff all over. Like he was tracking mm. down somebody. He was tracking down the people who were tracking him. Um, he's kind of like this paranoid guy. And we never even art directed the house. But that was supposed to be rooted in his character. Um, even time, uh, even Maya, the main character, being um, obsessed with time travel and having time travel books all over her her room. room. We just didn't and, have that. Yeah, and science books and stuff. We, and we tried to add some of that. Um, there's this scene where she gets a gift from the facility that says happy birthday that is supposed to um, tell you what day it is and um, give you a sense of what the timeline is. And it's just so random right now because it wasn't the right presentation. 
Gotcha. Um, okay, there were supposed to be cameras in certain scenes, so it was it was kind of a lot, and some of the stuff didn't even wasn't even on the page. It was it was something that I needed to make sure that we had right on set before we even got to set. But so, I was figuring all that out on set. So as an editor, you try to save as much as you can of some of the things that you were missing. And it wasn't just our direction. Uh, some of it was even just location. Some of the locations that we chose just didn't fit what I needed to in the script, but I picked them because they were available. And sure. you're just like, let's, let's see if it works. And then mm. you get to edit and you're like, nope. It doesn't it work. Doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. I mean, one of, one of my favorite scenes, though, is one of those opening scenes in Collider, and you've got the yellow gas. Well, that's another issue, though, because that nobody knows what that gas is. Well, uh, maybe I do just because I know because you story. know the script. So originally, <laughs> like, it's a cool looking scene, um, and that's fine. Like, you know, cool shots. You do need some cool shots in your film. I think that that's cool. But um, from a story standpoint, um, the gas was supposed to be getting sucked into the tubes. And she was using that. And then it gets um, the residue kind of gets into her gas mask. And she uses that residue. That's the Eloy gas. I don't know if you time travel people, the Eloy people. I think this is that from H.G. Wells. Um, I think so. I could be butchering that. But um, she uses that to give to the janitor so that she can time travel and like that process doesn't come across so that gets missed it's well it's missed and that's one of, that's like a huge, huge story that's story. like a huge part of the story it looks cool it though. looks cool but nobody knows <laughs> like what is all this yellow gas that's seeping everywhere um so i try we try some stuff in post to try to get the gas to be sucked into the tubes and it just it, didn't it we, just didn't work didn't we i mean again i'm going back i'm trying yeah, to remember yeah. um production design we only had so much money to pay mm -hmm. for like what the first week of production and then we didn't have production design for the rest right and some of it was um we spent a ton of time like i talked about last time we spent a ton of time on the first scene setting it up we spent a lot of money and then on set to get the gas to work right, it wasn't working right. So we had to go get a bunch of like fireworks kind of, and we spent hundreds of dollars oh my goodness. on this. So we blew probably 80% of our budget on the first three days of production. Granted, this is a 25 day for shoot. For production design. Yeah, for production design. Yeah. Um, so this is a 25 day shoot and half of the production design budget's gone after day three. So like you start <laughs> freaking out a little bit as a director. <laughs> and the thing is like, I knew this stuff like as I was directing, that's why it, Collider was very difficult for me as a director is because I knew we were missing things. I knew that our direction wasn't right. I knew some of the locations weren't right. And I knew it was my fault because I said yes to all this stuff before just to get into production. Okay, and how do you deal with that as a director? That's a hard pill to swallow. I don't know. I, I, I don't <laughs> think I deal with it well. Like I came to set with a smile on my face, or at least I tried to. But um, it was very difficult. And because I'm an editor, I, I think I just said I'm going to keep shooting. I'm going to try my best and I'm gonna put this together in the edit and try to figure out. And part of putting it together in the edit was reshooting and trying different things. And um, I still don't know if it 100% works, but we got it done, it's out there, got distribution, so. Hey, you know, that's, I think that's a success in and of itself. We probably should have said that to begin with. This this film is out, you can watch it, yeah. it's on Amazon Prime. Yeah, the film's out, so um, and I think- Feel free to check it out. So I accomplished my goal from a, uh, when we first started developing it, I said, look, we can, do a sci-fi film, I think we can get distribution on it. I even think, I even remember telling everybody, like, I think I can can get some help even finishing, because we have some extra visual effects stuff we need to do, and do, get some partnerships on the post-in. So we, we pretty much accomplished what the production set out to do. Yes. But then looking back to, of, you know, did I do my job as a director at the best of my ability? I don't think so. I don't, I, well, I know I didn't. You know, I know I didn't. Yeah. 
So, well, let's dive into post production because mm-hmm. I do remember the moment that you sent us a cut. Sure. Now that wasn't the first draft, of course. No, not at all. And and you asked me how I deal with it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just crawled into a hole and <laughs> I, I didn't show <laughs> any, edited. I didn't show anybody the film. Um, um, you're all you're never going to be excited about your first cut of your film, but. I had already seen the first cut of this film in my head. Like I just, gotcha. I just, I, I'm naturally an editor, um, and and just, I, I would look at the dailies. Like I knew what film we had, so I put it together and it just confirmed it. And I said, okay, cool, I got to take a f- few weeks off. Yeah. <laughs> so I did cut after cut after cut after cut, and I remember producers and everybody and asked me like, let me see something, let me help you with yeah, it. Yeah, we were and like I'm forcing like, you. You're like, like, guys, it's not ready. It's not ready. And then I sent the cut over. And there was a lot of feedback, <laughs> which is fine. I'm not. I, I'm open to feedback, but the the feedback was everything that confirmed. I feared. That you it, yeah, it kind of confirmed some stuff for me. Um, and then at that point, I think a lot of directors freak out and say, "Well, I'm, this film is nothing. You know, I'm not gonna not going to put it out." And that that did cross my mind. I, I did say, you know, I, maybe I shouldn't put this out. Um, <laughs> but I felt like I, I had to honor the crew and I had to honor the cast. So, Absolutely. So what we did was we said, okay, what can we do with this footage? And yep. um, the suggestion came out to let's try to make it nonlinear. So a lot of people who see the film are blown away that that is not how the script was. Yes. It is. I remember working That's with That's kind of Mike. a little secret. It is Nobody a secret. knows. I remember working with Mike when Mike is our, was our editor or our sound, sound sound mixer. And, um, I randomly said, Hey, you know that this was never supposed to be nonlinear. And he just was so floored. He was like, what do you mean? And I was like, Oh no, there's, this is, there's a, just a normal three act structured type film here. Um, the nonlinear came out from, um, editing and he, I just remember talking about it and he even went back and like tried to piece the <laughs> scenes together but it's in there. It's, it's in there. And it's funny. I just had a conversation with Danny about this. And we're saying like, I wonder how that cut would have been received. I think it's, I think it's kind of funny because the cut that got distribution is kind of like an experimental cut <laughs> of Collider. <laughs> but they were like, yeah, we'll take this version. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, it worked though. And I thought what was pretty cool about the whole process is even bringing it back to the team and saying, hey, this actually, part of this isn't working mm-hmm. and how can we make it work mm-hmm. and, you know, use it to the best of our ability. And that came out of a brainstorming session yes. of making it nonlinear yeah. instead of just giving up on it. Yeah. No, we don't do that. We're mm-hmm. this is still our art, you know. Yeah, and absolutely. How do we how do we put this out there and, and make it something we can still be proud of? And so, um, and I think you got to find energy. And to yeah, do that. and find energy for that. Energy you were for that. you were I actually was, like, guys, I don't know if I've got yeah. another cut in me. Yep. And I was gonna try to find another editor, but I was like, I'm gonna dump 25 days of footage of this <laughs> really difficult film on somebody, and I couldn't find anybody. But um, I loved I love the editing room. So like I'll do I'd still probably be doing cuts right now. <laughs> like, you, I, would, you know, like okay. I, it's fine. I, I, I actually love I actually kind of enjoyed the process of chopping it up. I don't know if the story makes any sense, but it's a fun little watch. Oh, of course. It's totally yeah. fun. I mean, I remember watching it with my family and my 10 year old, mm-hmm. you know, nieces and nephews and. They loved it. They were trying to guess the whole time, yeah. you know, what was going on. Yeah. So it was really, it was fun to watch it in that environment. Mm. Um, I think from, yeah, the, I'm just really, I'm really proud of you and I'm really mm. proud of, you know, us for making that decision yeah. to keep 
trucking when you don't have the energy (laughs) and trying to find it that's what grit is right (laughs) so to find that energy for it and to find a solution Mm -hmm. i I do think people get to a point where they just give up and they throw it out and i think i'm really proud of us for figuring out a solution and overcoming that obstacle with the edit i mean this whole film is actually about overcoming obstacles yes i mean really the Mm -hmm. lessons i think we've all learned even just what we do with our own characters and our own stories Mm -hmm. we we all individually had a challenge of overcoming our own obstacles to even make the film. Yeah, I mean, the, the film was um, definitely more d- difficult than I thought it was going to be. Um, and I think I think sometimes you're you're in director denial. You're like, this is going to be hard. Denial. This is going to be hard, but you're like, you know what? I can figure I it can out. Do it. It's I'll fine. Figure I'll, it out. I'll figure it out. Who, who cares? We don't have enough money for this. We don't have enough for this. <laughs> Maybe this director actor or denial. actress doesn't fit. Oh, it's fine. I'll, I'll make it work. I'll make it work. And then like you just get hit with a like a boulder or something. I don't know what you get hit with. It's something. And all of a sudden you're like, man, I need, I need a little more time to figure this out. But you just don't have that when you're in production. Um, so I, it's in the edit room. That's really where you have to get creative. Well, I think even what you're talking about is your gut. Listening Mm. to your gut. You've said multiple times, like, I knew in my gut Mm -hmm. it wasn't going to work. Like, I already saw it. I already knew it. And yet you are a slave to the the logistical decision. Mm -hmm. And so I think we've talked about this in our past Mm -hmm. podcast. The only way to get out of that is really having more time. Well, not only that, back to your gut thing. If if there's one thing I learned about Collider, about myself, is to follow my gut. Because the problems that – there were some problems on set that I – probably could have fixed right there. If you would have listened to your gut. If I would have listened to my gut, but I was like, oh, you know, I'm, there's people working for pennies. Right, you, know, you feel I bad. I feel you bad. Feel I don't want like to be, the, be the, that director or we're already, you know, an hour behind, but like, who cares? Like, the film lives forever. Like, get that scene right. I think people would appreciate that. Um, that's why I said, like, I've told people multiple times, like, I, I knew the film had issues like, after day one. Like, and I knew a lot of those issues were because of some of the decisions that I made, um, and when I was when I have the time to face those issues uh, head on on production, I often would just choose the easier logistical route than actually just the it harder, the, yeah, dealing and, with it in the moment. But I have to deal with it now forever, so right. I would rather just deal with it <laughs> on set and get face it right. Face it, guys. It, deal with it, it in yeah. the moment. Yeah. So I think yeah. as a director, you are you are the you are the captain. Like people are following your lead, following your vision. Um, you have to make sure that you do all everything you can to 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 ensure that your vision is 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 coming across and that you're doing the best that you can to even communicate that vision to everybody and if that means you got to take 30 minutes to say look i gotta figure this out um this isn't working or even if it's a matter of rewriting the script if it's a matter of recasting Mm. If you have to, if you have time to recast, if that's a hard decision to make. These are very hard decisions that, that I think, um, but you have to make if you, if you, if you really want to try to make the best film uh, possible. So I think I struggled with that a little bit because I was also just the producer. I was, had the producer hat. hat My car was the equipment truck. For the entire yeah, film. Yeah, let's don't so, do so that. So I was, you know, I just <laughs> I had like so a, many, a so much stuff, and I and I had an ear to the crew as well, and you know, I think you have to find that balance. You have to find that balance because you can't be this crazy director who spends forever to trying to get what you want. But that's why I go back to like finding the soul of your movie. Like if mm-hmm. you if you understand what you're trying to do, I think there's decisions, and you follow your gut, you're naturally mm-hmm. going to make good decisions for the story. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. So how long did it take to finish the film in mm. post? Post was weird because we, w- we kind of went into post right after Principal, which was the end of October of 2015. 
um, knowing we were missing things, I still went ahead and started editing just mm-hmm. to see what we had and was there other pickup shots. So we edited up until about April, May, and then we did the rest of the pickup shots. And I want to say I didn't finish the film until... You might have to help me out. Was it 2017? Because it came it out in 18. the following year. Yeah, I so think, 2000, so, so it was about two. It was about a two-year process, and that really? wasn't completely all editing. Like I quit the movie a few times. Like just like, <laughs> how's Collider yeah. going? It's like it's like, not. Uh, it's not. <laughs> it's I'm, not <laughs> I'm not working on it right now. Right. So I would take. I would take. We like. I think my longest break was probably two months. Sure. Of like not even looking at it, because um, I felt like you have to. Sometimes you got to just step away and look at it from a different lens fresh. and look at it fresh. The mm. problem was. Every time I looked at it fresh, it was the like same. I saw the same things. I just I knew that I knew the film. I knew the film that I I saw every single shot. And again, I was editing, and like I just I I really knew, um, I I really knew the film. So I think, um, and then we were doing a ton of different nonlinear cuts. Because I remember one cut was like so hodgepodge, like it was like crazy. I loved the very that first one. cut. Yes, it, it was. There was something <laughs> interesting about it. But there was something so I interesting I about that it. One out. Yeah, that one was like that one was insane. Um, and, and then trying to retell, rewrite the script in post took time. So mm-hmm. I would, me and Danny would sit down and we write out the entire outline and all the scenes and how long they were and how they fit into the linear story and making sure that things worked out right. So we had to really. Like I basically rewrote the movie in in post. In post, I wrote, rewrote the movie in post for sure. Yeah. So um, because of that, it took a long time to to get things right. So you know, we've said this earlier. The the movie did get distribution. Mm-hmm. So after we finished it, um, well, I think we we're in the middle of finishing it. We needed some finishing funds, mm-hmm. and so we actually started reaching out to distribution companies mm-hmm. and seeing what they would be willing to do and if they could give us some finishing funds. I mean, we reached out to a long list of people, yeah. and there was a couple that got back to us and. This is one of the ones we went with. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, another lesson is don't get discouraged by the no's because you're going to get a ton of them. You're going to get a ton of them. So I sent out, I I can't think of how many, but a a plethora of of emails to uh, say, hey, are you interested in this film? And and I had two that were very interested. Yes. Um, And one of them we ended up going with. The other kind of fizzled out a little bit. Um, But that was kind of, uh, some of that was part of my strategy. I knew I was going to need some money for post and... You know, I'm, I'm a researcher, and I, and I knew that this is an avenue to get your film done. It's to partner with it, a distributor. Um, I also did not realize, so here's a lesson that goes back to production. I didn't okay. realize how much visual effects were in the film. But then something happened. Something went wrong. He never used them. Get me those plans. Bury it where you land, and I'll pick it up on the other side. We can finish what he started. Okay, um, big lesson learned. Yeah, there were certain things where have a visual effects supervisor on set. That's probably one, if you're gonna do visual effects, have them on set. I don't, that's one thing I don't really know how to do is visual effects. Like I'm an editor, but I'm strictly like a picture editor. Um, so I was winging it <laughs> when it comes right. to visual and effects. And so there were certain things we would be shot incorrectly that had to be yeah. that had to be fixed, but mm. took longer Yeah. because we didn't shoot it correctly. Yeah, we had a hundred something, maybe even visual close to 200, shots. I think it was 180 something Lord visual effect mercy. shots. And then not only that, it's like when you're cutting a scene, you're like, oh, that, that one shot where she looks up and sees the camera, that's one visual effect shot. But in the edit, I cut back to that shot five times. So that's so five visual five. effects. It's not, <laughs> and you're not thinking of that on, on set. And then there's just things on set. You're just like, I just got to figure it out in post. So uh, don't figure it out in post. Cause that's a, like it, the costs, biggest no-no. Yeah, it costs a lot of more money, but it, it, it never really, it doesn't look, Completely, yeah. It doesn't it doesn't always look right, 
but um, that was something I learned is if you're going to do visual effects, again, more planning, more time to, to do that. Yeah, I think uh, Alex even said, one of our friends and other filmmakers in the industry just said, hey, f- figure it out and pre. Yeah, figure it out and pre for sure. Figure it out and pre. Yeah. And, <laughs> I, and what's funny is like I was... The, the, my other short films and stuff, I was always a pre-production guy. Like, I that's, I love pre- I know, I actually love pre-production. Like so, Shooting Collider was like an out-of-body experience for me. I don't know who that was. <laughs> it was it was, was a different version of me for sure. A, and I think I just got, got you just you just get really focused on getting the production done. Yeah. And was, I think that's really what, what happened as, as far as there. So, I actually love pre-production, pre-production. Well, I, it's I, where you get creative. Yeah. It's where you mm-hmm. figure out how to tell the story. Mm-hmm. So, I do too. I love yeah. the pre-production process. Um, well, how would you say you have really grown as a director after making your first feature film? And what are some of the lessons that you're going to implement in your next film? Again, prioritizing what is important to you and what you're making this film for. Um, finding the soul of that film and, and being, um, and really honoring this, this, the story from a director's, from a director's standpoint. Um, not rushing, but still having that fire to get something done there's mm-hmm. that balance but I think I, I think I figured it out I think mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I completely figured it out but <laughs> I, I think I, I understand more of who I am um, and how I respond to um, being on set and what I need in place in order to um, accomplish what I have in my head so I think a lot of it is just knowing knowing what I'm making that film for and every director is different, and I think it's really hard sometimes you can get into the comparison trap, mm-hmm. you know, of directors, but I think it comes down to what you just said, mm-hmm. knowing who you are and knowing what you need as a director yeah. on set, because mm-hmm. that need is might be different for mm-hmm. different directors, yeah. you know, it's like, I think we've even talked to Terrell, Terrell knows he probably needs a, you know, seven takes, right. you know, for mm-hmm. the different films that he's going to do, but he's learned that about mm-hmm. himself on the last couple films, it's yeah. kind of like, you need to know what you need. Yeah. You know, and, and different maybe relationships with production mm-hmm. design, AD, all mm-hmm. of that uh, is different. Yeah, there's a, the, you the, the, you have to go out and direct to learn what your directing style is. Mm-hmm. And I think I am so open to trying so many different ways of doing things in different styles that um, it takes, it took me a little bit longer to be like, this is how I direct, this is what I do. I even look back at the films I made in film school, like, sometimes you look at the films and it's like, this looks, feels like a different person. And it's like, yeah, it is because it I'm is. just trying stuff. Yeah. And I think uh, Collider was me trying something. And I think now I, I've, I've, I have enough experience in, in, in directing um, to kind of know what I, what type of director I, I think I want to be, you know, mm-hmm. or that fits my personality type, mm-hmm. knowing what, what it is. You know, I'm not a huge winged guy. <laughs> Whereas it's really some not people, your personality. Well, some and people, yeah, and some people are striving that that, and I yeah. think that that's amazing. I I, I think um, I wish I could wing it a little bit more, but I just I, I really can't have to have a lot of this stuff figured out so that when problems arise, uh, when problems come up, um, I can just follow my gut at that point. Yeah, you know, because I've already done, I've, I'm already in that world. I already know what's going on. I know what's right for the film. So um. So so, what would you tell first time feature film directors? Well, I always go back to that time cost quality thing. So that's probably more of a, produ- <laughs> that's probably more of a production thing. Yeah. But pick two. Like if you want quality, um, I like to say good, fast, cheap. That's that's a little more hard hitting yeah, sure. for me. Yeah, good, fast, cheap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think uh, there was time, you can't have all three. And there was times where I tried to get all three. And I think you have to realize um, you what type of film. You, yeah. you, if you don't want to sacrifice good, then things aren't going to happen fast or they're not going to happen or they're not going to be cheap. So you have to kind of pick between those two. 
Yeah, that's good. Um, what uh, are there any other lessons learned even from the distribution process that you would share? I would say making a film for distribution is a slippery slope. Making a film just to get it distributed because I there was a point where I was making Collider to get distribution on it just to tick that off the list. I shot a film, I got distribution, move on to the which next is step. a huge accomplishment. Which is a huge, I mean, which that's is a big absolutely, deal. absolutely. But that's why it goes. I go back to to. But at the same time, who is is that? Why you're making the film? Right. Is that well, really? Is that truly? And and that's fine if it is. It's right. fine if it you is. You just need to know. I, that. Yeah, I think I went back and forth multiple times during this process of what I was really trying to do with it. Yeah. So. Well, what's what's next? One way to get out of the depression of a film is to sink your teeth into another film. Mm -hmm. So I started writing a script based off of this article I read about um, Nigerian teenagers who are illegally recruited out of Africa to play basketball, youth basketball here in America, and how one of the, uh, this particular article, the character ends up um, homeless and undocumented in America. And I was like, how do you go from having dreams of playing basketball in Africa to being um, homeless and undocumented in America? And that sparked this entire research into this world of AAU basketball and how they're using um, illegal tactics to get to, to find the next star, the next international star. So I wrote a script called The Forgotten Ones. And um, that is my, my goal is to make that in the next mm -hmm. couple of years. And, Go, go from there. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and lessons learned from your very first feature film, Collider. Make sure you check it out on Amazon Prime and uh, let us know some of your thoughts. Leave some comments below. Um, join us again next week and make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and on YouTube. Hit that little bell notification so that you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Alicia Paul Heinrich, and we'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.